you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. (laughs) Well, it's Wake Up With KC. And you know what? I have a a very special guest with me. And I love entertainment, the entertainment industry. And there's many aspects of it. But to be a stand-up comic, uh, comedian, Uh, to make people laugh, so much has changed. And I have Jason Pollock here today to join us and share some insightful uh, information with us. Jason, welcome. Wow, studio audience, thank you. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Well, you know what? It's really an honor, you know, to have someone that's in the entertainment business that's a stand-up you know comedian i've had some you know some other celebrities and at the time i was in in awe and just listening to them sharing their life their struggles you know what they've done how they reinvented themselves and everything and i today though i want to talk to you because there's some things that have come to my mind now because I've seen recent, you know, comedy, like films. And I I was reminded that how they started out being a stand-up, you know, comedian, going to all these nightclubs and whatnot. And share with us what, how this began for you. When did you discover that this is what you wanted to do? I... Well, I got picked on as a kid. I was very shy. Nobody ever would have thought I would grow up to be a comedian. <laughs> but, um, you know, I used to watch a lot of comedy. And I just, what I loved about it was just the escape. Just the coping mechanism of laughter was just always appealing to me. That and horror films, the polar opposite. I used to watch scary movies all the time, too. And was just sucked in. Oh, wow. And, I just had Mark Morales, and he's all about the horror films too, and he loves writing them. So that was. Oh yeah, a- I talked to him on the show. Yes. Yes, and it, it was very interesting to see his perspective, and but you, you know, just what you shared with me, you know, being picked on. I know what that's like. I was picked on and bullied out through my m- most of my school years. You know, I yeah, just thought that it was, I stuck out like a sore thumb being, you know, the only redhead for the longest time until I got into high school. Then I saw maybe two or three others that were redheads, but everybody else was more looked the same. Well, now we call them gingers, long. right? Now they're gingers. Yeah, we're gingers. We're special. And you've got the magic powers. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I never thought of, I used watching funny films like Robin Williams, um, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor. You know, they were my go-to to be able to cope, you know, to have some kind of, because they say laughter is good medicine. Yeah, it was an escape. I used to watch 
George Carlin going his comedic rants, and I just related with that man and, so much. Yeah, it's. But I never thought, you know, to be a, a comedian. What sparked that passion for you to want to go into it? Originally, I was five years old and discovered the original. It was in the 70s. I'm kind of I know I look amazing for my age. Stop it. But uh, you're handsome as ever. Oh, go on with yourself. (laughs) Um, I used to listen to SNL in the 70s on an LP because I couldn't stay up that late to watch him. And um, I had the record album of it and used to reenact the skits and just loved it. But when it came to performing in front of people, forget it. I would back down. I was too shy. So it's always been a dream of mine, and nobody would have guessed it being so shy as a child all through my high school years. And then being shy got me picked on. I was the awkward one out. I just never I felt like I couldn't relate with anybody. And I started, I guess, I'm trying to put it into words. Just think it would be so nice to be somebody else. And that's why I wanted to get into acting and, and just watching comedians get up on stage and own that room i thought one day i'd love to be able to do that and it wasn't until 1998 i was born in 71 so yeah i was almost 30 years old when i decided i saw an ad in the back of the village voice that there's a school the american institute of comedy and the there's like eight weeks of classes and the graduation show you were forced to perform not forced but the graduation show was at caroline so i said i'm going to force myself to do this that's why I have to do it. Caroline's on Broadway would be the debut. What a great way to start. So I just, I went with a friend. I convinced a friend to come with me that I work with. And we went up every week. The, the, now, they can't teach you how to be funny, but they can teach you how to structure and act and little stage techniques and what words to cut out. You know, it's all about trimming it down to get to that punchline right a lot quicker. And I did it. And it was it was successful. And then you meet other people there and they say, I do a showcase here. You want to come do my show? And once you're in, once you start meeting people, go to your first open mic or bring your show, whatever you do, bring your shows are a whole other story. That's when you have to bring a certain amount of people to get stage time. It's brutal. I prefer the open mics, but you know, you, you just get to know people and the more people you're friendly with, the more people you get to know, you network, you get more stage time. And then you get more comfortable with yourself. The first few years I was doing it, I was miserable because I used to get such bad stage fright. I couldn't, I just couldn't, until I was off stage, I couldn't handle it. I was just, my ex used to yell at me all the time. Like, why do you even do this? Why do you even do this? You're miserable. You can't eat. You can't do anything. And eventually you get over it. You go on stage enough, then it becomes like anything else. You know, it's like riding a bike or like, just repetition like one thing I, I love about acting auditions now is there once you do enough you don't get as nervous anymore you don't get the stage fright i mean if i had to go on stage right now in front of um the people who make marvel movies or <laughs> dustin hoffman or somebody legendary i would be a nervous wreck granted but you know the more you do the more comfortable you get the more it is just like anything else does that well, make sense? Yeah, it does because it helps build up your self esteem and your confidence. You know, Absolutely. little by little, your confidence and, and you start trusting and believing in yourself. Would you agree? 
absolutely once that's how you get over the stage fright with comedy once you uh, it's a good way to to do it is to just know your act inside and out when you know what works you start to get more comfortable you develop that first five minutes and and it, and it takes some work because you you start to worry like they're gonna they're they're gonna laugh at me no that's what you want you want them to laugh at you <laughs> but you start right. to worry like this this is gonna be this isn't gonna be good but once you know what works, once you have that five minutes and you start adding to it and adding to it, you know your stage persona. Some people, it takes 10 years to develop that stage persona, like to really find yourself on stage, your character. Once you know who you are on stage, it's a lot easier for you to write comedy for yourself, write, write your own act from your own experiences, because you know your voice, you know your stage voice, mm-hmm. if you're following what I'm saying. I know I can be all over the place sometimes. No, 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 that makes sense. And then... You know, earlier you mentioned about because of, I guess you could say traumas that held you back and then the limited beliefs that you took upon yourself, you know, based on what you were thinking and whatnot. Would it be safe to say that a lot of the comedians that, you know, are out there experience similar things and it's like the uh, same scenario for a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know a lot of comedians in their formative years, you could say, were a little kind of social outcast, a little different. It's rare when the the actual class, I mean, it's happened, but it's rare when the class clown in school actually becomes that successful class clown. Because you take somebody who's really funny in school or the office and put them on stage they're not just quoting movies anymore. They have to do an act and it's not the same for them. You know, even some people freeze up performing in front of other people. So, you know, it'll, it's, it's a slap in the face sometimes. Well, is it also safe to say that a lot of them um, struggle with depression and they use it to like a mask? Oh, no doubt. Like my my sense of humor, I suffer greatly from depression and anxiety. I mean, I'm not suicidal. Granted, the thought lingers there, but I'm too worried about the unknown to even attempt something like that. And the people I love, I I just couldn't do it. So there's no threat there. But I do suffer from major depression and anxiety. Like panic attacks to the extent that like, I I don't know what to do with myself. And it's, it's debilitating. It can really be debilitating. But for some reason, once you step on that stage, it all goes away. Like, I, you know, I know comics and I'm not alone when I say this. When you hang around enough comics, they'll get off stage after a killer set and they'll say, was that OK? Did I do all right? Are you happy? Like, I should have worded that differently. You know, we we always overanalyze. It's just it's. It's, just, it's a program it's in a way, wouldn't you agree? It's a program that we create for ourselves to be perfect, you know, to make everything, you know, all T's crossed, all I's dotted, you know, voice like this. And it's more of the, the programming, the belief. And in a way to me, it's like you hinder the beauty and your gift. What a way to phrase that. I love that. Well, I look at comedians and and, and the, the reason why I say this is, Jason, because there is one person 
that was so funny to me that I couldn't wait to watch his next movie or watch him. I mean, Mork and Mindy. Oh, yeah. Pam Dauber. She was hilarious. I mean, I'm just kidding. Robin Williams. Yes. Yes. Robin Williams. And to this day, when I get a little discouraged or disappointed, I go to Robin Williams' RV movie. Oh, I forgot about that one. That was a good one. Uh, that was the most funniest. And the thing that I love the most about it, I watched it with my grandmother. And so I had personal I put, memories with you. Like, <laughs> watching my grandmother laugh and watching the movie at the same time, watching both of those, you know, it was just like, I almost pissed my pants. I was laughing <laughs> because I was constantly laughing. The next day, I hurt. <laughs> Every that's the best from that. So when that I movie has a lot of personal memories with you, like yes, because it was with your grandmother. Yeah, I totally get that. So and that must have been devastating for you when Robin Williams did what he did. Well, yeah, but I I question. I'm like, you know what? Because I ask a question, I question everything, and I'm like, he had everything. He had a family. He was funny. He did, you know, um, that glob movie, you know, Blubber. the blob, the blob Blubber. bubble, yeah, bubber, 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 bubber. I call it blob. cute blob. Okay, okay we'll call it the blob one. movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it he it it was just like a shock. To see someone, and then I, I question all the other ones. Like, how did it get to that point? What were the signs? Were there any signs? You know, and, and and you know, everybody who met him that I like that I know from the industry, or even just fans who've met him, have just said he was nothing but kind, nothing but a good person. But I I, I get it. Uh, not that I get it, but sometimes you 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 could have everything. But the worries you think about that ultimately don't really matter just sometimes gets so overwhelming you can't take it anymore, if that makes sense. Well, it, it makes sense to a degree. And there is a, a person, you know, Oprah Winfrey. She's one of my mentors. I've and honestly, just recently, you know, going back and, you know, when I started my podcast and you know, back in 2009, I tried to start an, in, you know, a, a talk show. And I looked back and it, it was like a, not a deja vu, but like going back in time and remembering her in the 80s when she first started out with the Oprah Winfrey show. And I, I just paused. And I'm looking at the TV and I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do what she's doing. I remember it now. I mean, this was just recently, like it I, was like your epiphany. Yeah. And I was like, wow, now I'm now it's all connecting the dots and making more sense. Because back in those days, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't realize what I wanted to do until I was in my 40s. I'm with you. I'm right there with you. So you know, I think that's I, natural. I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, to some, I guess, but others, it was like they 
went to high school, got their diploma, went right to college. And I'm like, well, now I'm questioning like, well, did you do that because your parents told you that you had to do that? Or are you living what you are passionate about doing? See, there's, I had no, that I can totally relate with. I get it. And I didn't have no one guiding me, telling me my strengths, you know, my gifts to guide me in that, you know, which way to go kind of aspect either. It was, I was taught a program, go to school, get good grades, get a good job. You can't, you can't teach that and implement that to your kids these days. It's no way. You know, we were all that was thrown down our face, uh, down our, uh, that was shoved in our brains that you had to do that. And uh, there's 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 part of me that I, I think, what if I did say I, I never I just never finished college. I went and I just was too happy just working and having the freedom. So I took it more advantage of that. But I managed to sustain a decent job and still maintain my creative outlets, you know, apart from not having finished college, I just had to work for it, maybe work a little harder. But I, the good thing is I don't have any student debt now. Well, hey, that's a, a bonus. And it's, you know, looking in, in life and, you know, there's other people that, you know, granted it was more health issues in the entertainment with some, you know, I want to say comedian actors and you probably know you know uh what john candy and then there is what's it, oh, I, yeah. I see his face but i can't Chris remember Farley? yes and you know i love them both it, they were like really funny but i can understand health issues and maybe some drugs a combination of that and they such wonderful talent and just natural to me they felt like they were naturally funny they were humorous it was i heard john candy was such a sweetheart too and even with robin williams they it was genuine it just felt genuine and authentic when you saw them i don't think that they really had to practice being that you know, the, no, you're right. It was absolutely genuine with all three of those guys. They're just kind people who, who are so appreciative of what they had and what they did in life. I mean, with Robin Williams, it wasn't a case. He had something deeper going on there, though. Uh, there, like, John Candy was not, I, I don't believe, I don't know for a fact, but I don't believe he was a depression sufferer, as, at least as deeply as Robin Williams was. And I just don't, like, to me, it's like, People like you that love to help people laugh and be funny. You, this is what I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell the others. You are our therapist, and we need more of you. Wow, thank you. And I mean that. This is like coming from a heart to heart, soul to soul, spirit to spirit. We definitely need more of your people, your kind. You all are our therapists. We need more laughter, especially with what's going on. 
in the world. We need more laughter. And you all are our therapists. You give us the therapy we need. And to I be honest, that. you all are. You know, laughter is good medicine. You're yes. the prescription that we need. And it's a healing element when we laugh. So if I can help you change that mindset to help you get out of being depressed and not, you are so worth so much more. You and all of you that are in this business that suffer from depression and not feeling like you're good enough. You are perfect just the way you are. You do us a great service by being you and being funny and being our therapist. Wow. Thank you for that. What you a are powerful so sentiment. And it's so, it's time that somebody actually says something to you all that is meaningful and of value. And I, I, I hope this message in this interview not only helps you, but help others like you to realize your, your worth and how valuable you are in each of our lives. I wish I had an opportunity to say that to Robin and John Candy and, and Chris Farley. Well, you said it to me and other people are hearing this too. And, and I'm just, I, I'm like crying now. Oh my God. <laughs> you got me choked up. <laughs> but that, I, that was a powerful sentiment. You said that from the heart. I, I am saying that from the heart. And that's why it's such an honor to have you on this show today. Wow, and I'm, I'm talking about the young ones that are in like the same shoes as you were when you were younger, that's being picked on, but find, you know, things funny, funny movies and other comedians, you know, let this be an inspiration to, you know what, I can help others. It's so true. You know, that's what stopped the bullying is being able to laugh at myself. And I would make the jokes before they got to do it. And it wasn't fun for them anymore. Like, you can be a laughter. coach for others. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just these, putting it out there. You can be a coach for others. I would be welcome. I, I would be welcome. I welcome that opportunity. Well, well, we'll see how we can get a, a workshop together. I would love to help you do that. That would be wonderful. You know, the Jason, the Jason's, it has to be creative. Jason's Funny Academy or Comedian Academy, something, JP um, Comedian Academy. Oh, oh, oh. Um, what is this, an anti- a learning how to cope through humor kind of workshop? Yes. Okay. How um, you can be like humorous and funny, even being bullied. Like how to skills are not up to par today. I'm trying to think of a good <laughs> quote for that. A, a good time. You never know. All right. Give me some time. I got to think about this one. Well, it's, it's the imagination and the thought. So it, it's just something to, 
you know, write down and jot down and get some ideas. And then we'll keep in, in contact with each other and see, you know, I'll give you some feedback and say, hey, what about this? What about that? I could help you with this. I could help you with that. And voila. I love it. Life changing already. I love the, yes. way, the direction this is going. It is. And, you know, you know, being a stand up and going to these clubs and you have to, you know, create the jokes or put jokes together. And I know some of them use their life experiences. That's exactly it, where my humor comes from. Life experiences. Okay. But sometimes and, I'll oh, sorry. No, no, no. So then, you know, some of them comes from news topics. Some comes, you know, mainly mainstream media. But things have changed since, you know, the 70s and 80s. There was more, I, I don't want to say cut downs or put downs. I, I don't know how to. You know, in the 80s, it wasn't so much sensitivity. Okay, yes. But now, it's just totally so sensitive that how do you manage to be funny without being racist or, you know. Well, the, the, the last thing I want is, uh, seriously, the last thing I want is to offend anybody. Like, that's not my goal. When I used to go to a comedy club, when I first started going in the 80s, when I was old enough to go to a show, 80s and 90s, I would just, I loved it because I knew I was just going to be able to sit down, have a drink, and just laugh my problems away. And sometimes if they talked about something that was shocking, I would love that because it was something that I couldn't think of and I never saw it coming. And it's something, sometimes the shocking ones are something we all think about but never voice. I just mm -hmm. loved it. But now, I mean, I used to have jokes. They were, I never told racist jokes. But I've said things like um, when when I went to visit the uh, to Michigan, this uh, you go on the bus or Harry Tub uh, Harry Tubman uh, Rosa Parks at, and you could there was a black person sitting there, and I said, "Excuse me, can you get up?" And they said, "I'm sorry, I said that wrong. I said that backwards." Now, this is I'm glad I'm not on stage right now. <laughs> I, I sat in the actual seat where Rosa Parks sat, and I thought, "This is a." historic moment this is a history happened here a great thing happened right in this very seat and a black gentleman came up to me and he said excuse me sir can you get up because i think i sat there too long and i said no how's it feel we've come full circle now and i, I i'm it's you know strictly meant as a joke nobody ever got offended but now i just stopped it all together because i i'm i don't there are comedians who are brave enough to do the edgy thing. And I'm just too neurotic that I just feel like I'm going to look at it more as a challenge to write a cleaner act for, for me just to be more. God, I hate saying that I have to be PC, but the only excuse I have to not being PC is. Um, it may, it makes me laugh the on PC thing, but mm -hmm. I'm trying to word this right. Um, like uh, people were complaining about it. I said, so you're upset because you can't tell racist jokes anymore. And I, I was like, that's not really an argument. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But I mean, it, they don't bother me. Nothing offends me. I'm Jewish. I make Jewish jokes all the time. But so I can, but I just found out I'm also, I did 23 and me 
and I found out I'm 0.1% Mongolian, so I can make Asian jokes now, too. So. <laughs> well, the, it's like, how did we get to this point? That's why I'm like, wait a minute. Now, I love, there's Kevin Hart and Fluffy. I love Fluffy. Other oh, legends. They are. And um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Fluffy happened to start some he would do pranks this is the funniest thing i remember he doing a prank and then somebody else pranked him <laughs> he was sharing oh, he reversed it, it. yeah and then kevin hart it i'm a visual person so as they're telling and like you know you have to get emotion when you're being funny and do body language and all that and to me it's like they're a natural when it comes to doing that i'm actually visualizing in my head the whole scene like it's a movie to me and it makes me laugh more i gotta watch him more it, it's like i haven't, I seen, I haven't seen enough i know he's funny but i don't remember any particular bits and then you Gabriel got Jeff Glacius, right? Jeff Dunham. He's the tranquilist with um, oh Jeff Dunham, the ventriloquist. Dunham, Dunham. I call it Dunham. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dunham. If you met him, don't call him Dunham. <laughs> okay, Dunham. Well, thank you for that because I might have been mistaken. <laughs> you're Jeff Dunham. Uh, you're thinking the ham's done. That's yeah. a, that's what you're thinking. So his name makes you hungry. Oh yeah, that's true. unless you're unless you're a vegetarian, in which case. Um, he's Jeff Dunham. <laughs> my wow, I'm so not quick thinking today. Oh my god, it's okay. I, I, I have a day job at a mortgage company, but I'm remote right now, so I'm working from home. And I took a break. It's just been a crazy day, but my mind is like a ten year old at a mortgage company because you. It's just. I, I've made a living in working in the comedy world for so long. So having a day job right now for the benefits is driving me crazy. So I have to find these little things. Like I'll write the word title, T-I-T, and then I pause and laugh, L-E. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you just got to find the little things to make you laugh at those, those kind of uh, situations absolutely and it's just like uh, it's a little discouraging like i don't get i'm uh, unbiased bias bias give quite a way to <laughs> pronounce <started>? that <laughs> jeff dunham i'm biased <laughs> does that mean you have two asses is that what that means <laughs> non-judgmental I just like, you know what? Just be funny. Yeah, I had, I did a joke the other day. I was questioning whether I should do it or not, considering what's going on over in overseas. But it's about when I went to Israel, and the toilets were eco ecologically friendly. They had a, two buttons on them, a little button and a big button. And originally, I wasn't sure what that was. I said, "Why are there two flushes?" And the guys, this was after I got out. I see, he said, well, the little, little one's for number one, and the big button goes to Palestine. So, and the audience laughed, but Saturday night, this one woman yells, 
that's not funny. I was like, I'm sorry, it was just a joke. She goes, I don't care, it's not funny. I just, I, I moved on. I just, I had no patience. I, so what, what I wanted to do was, before I bring up your next comic, I wanted to make it really awkward in here. And, and she goes, well, you did a good job at that. So I just let it go and brought up the next comic. But you laughed at it. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I just you, thought it was funny. I want it back. Thanks. <laughs> a lot of people. I, it's just like, wow. Like, you just can't. Like, it must be harder to be a comedian now these days. And it's like so unnecessary. I just. Oh, like you guys are ruining it. I just want them to be funny. Why be so serious? I think we're programmed that we've got to be serious and you can't talk this way. You can't talk that. Why not just be your authentic selves? And if it's funny, it's funny. I agree with you 100%. It's yeah. Just, oh. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like it's a no-win situation right now because of social media. It's a big part of it. Well, yeah, but it, it's, I mean, come on. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. I like for you guys just to be funny. And, you know, if you put a disclaimer, look, I'm going to say things like on my, on my trailer for my podcast, I uh, announce it. Like, hey, I might use profound words. If you don't like it, then don't listen to me. Right. I mean, how far is there a limit to you? Like, what is anything that can or can't be joked about in your mind? Well, I'm open to anything. Just be funny about it. There you go. You know, and it's like. I have all the respect in the world for people who don't hold back. And the thing about it is, it's if I'm going to pay to go to an improv or where the comedians are, you know, performing and whatnot, I want a good bang for my buck. And you better make damn sure you make me laugh, especially if I'm going to drive over there, order drinks, have a bite to eat, you know, and, and I'm paying for a show i want to show and if it's to make me laugh and i'm paying for it you better make damn sure you know how to make me laugh that's how i look at it why can't other people i agree i i, I wish more people were like you we need more kim chapman's in the world <laughs> now you said the improv where's home for you where, where are you doing i'm in uh, west palm beach no way i was almost asked to book a comedy club down there that was supposed to open up yeah, and the, the owners, improv in downtown West Palm Beach. There was something else before the improv opened. They were, there was a theater venue. They wanted oh, to do comedy there, and so it felt the owners it fell through or something. They didn't want to pay, something like that. I was so oh. disappointed because I thought, oh my god, I can go to West Palm Beach regularly for work. Oh my god! Well, hey, if the next opportunity for you to come down here in West Palm, please let me know. Because I will got come it. to you, and we could go have lunch. Well, I could show you around. I'd be more than I happy. I love it. I've never been to West Palm Beach. What? I'll be your private chauffeur, taking you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What an honor. I would. I would love I would like, come on, Jason, let's do this. And we'll have a blast. We'll, I'll even video record it. 
you know, the adventures like of Jason little... in West Palm Beach. <laughs> now that that sounds like an adult film. I don't know. Um, I could put that one on my OnlyFans, neurotic dad bod guy. So that would <laughs> we could make some money off that one. Believe me, the thought has been there of starting one of those during this pandemic, but I went with the podcast instead. You know what? I thought the same damn thing. <laughs> and I was like, I think you'd be more successful than me. What is that all about? And my my teenage daughters were telling me about it. And I was like, huh? Really? Yeah, you can make money off of this. I'm like, oh. Your daughters were encouraging that? Well, it's not that they were encouraging me because I just ask questions because I see something or I hear about oh, something. Okay. So I go All to right. them. What's this OnlyFans? My OnlyFans thing. Oh, well, so-and-so is doing it. And, you know, she just puts little pictures and people the pay for that. Videos. I, I know a girl. Um, she's blocked the entire East Coast so her friends and family don't see it. But she said she makes she doesn't go to sleep sometimes, so she makes a thousand bucks a week minimum. She's like, I made three thousand bucks this week. I'm like, you're crazy. How do you do this? She said the Italian 20 somethings love MILFs. I thought, oh my God. You lucky, lucky dog. You're a brave woman. Hey, She's I, big in I, Italy. I, oh my God, save Italy. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Hey, there's a lot of people in a lot of countries that are in lockdown. They need some kind of entertainment. So <laughs> there you go. This is true. Yeah, yeah. You could do it uh, uh, like a no, like my OnlyFans were on, uh, on the comedian side where there's, you know, no hold back. Oh, watch me tell racist jokes for $50. <laughs> That would be so bad. Oh my god, I would be canceled so fast. Well, it doesn't have to just be you and funny. Yes, but no good holdbacks. At... I'm gonna, I'm gonna be me, and you know, if you don't mind racist jokes, if you don't mind profanity, you know, put it right up there ahead of time, so where they're like, oh wow, this guy's gonna. Because some people are. Well, I have to do the comedy naked, though, if I'm on OnlyFans. <laughs> I mean, that. Who... A Speedo. <laughs> uh, uh, nothing but a Speedo. Wow. And then. I know, I know three guys that might pay for that. With the red cape, and there you go. <laughs> All right. Maybe just to indulge you, I might have one follower. You and there's, I think there's, there's a guy based out of New York named Big Gay Nick who wants me to do that, too. So. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> we took this conversation to a whole other place. I know we did. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I love. It's just having conversation. Yes, exactly. And, it, and you know what? It's funny, and it just, you know, helped the audience get to know you even more. And it's this is what my show's about. Yes, I talk about topics, but I also have a conversation too. That's what this is about. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Well, thank <laughs> you. I enjoyed this. This was like the best by far. 
Oh, I'm flattered. By the way, I want to, you said you started this um in when when did you start this? September of last year? I, no, October. October. Did you create that intro? That was really well done. Well, I had an original one and on my second season, I had um somebody help create a 30 second one. I had like a minute one and it was more you know, I just felt like every you know, every new season, I'm going to change it up. But I didn't know you had seasons. Yeah, this is How my you... second season. How many do you do a season? Uh, 36. You're a workaholic. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm very organized. <laughs> and and I plan things. And right now, this is the my love. This is my baby. And I'm just doing it for the love because, you know, we all ha have this innate in us to help and serve others. And I this finally found mine. Like yours isn't, you know, being a comedian and a stand-up and acting. And mine is talking and teaching and helping people to think outside the box and share their stories, you know how they overcame and transformed their lives and, you know, following their passion, even through the obstacles, even through the hurdles, you know, and that's, you know, what I'm about. That's great. It is a gift. Thank you for acknowledging that when you, um, when you get to do a show for someone, for example, I had someone come up to me and take my, my hand in both of theirs and say, I want to thank you. My, it took my dad. He's got Lou Gehrig's disease and, I haven't seen him laugh like that in a long time and we needed this. It's awesome. It's just, it's the best feeling. That's why you do the things you do. We're doing on um, the drinks, jokes and storytelling Twitch channel. We're, we're doing a 24 hour stream for a fellow comedian, Bob Nelson, who you might remember from the eighties, who was on the Rodney Dangerfield special. He used to do all the balloons in his shirts. <laughs> he's put balloons and do a bunch of football team intro. And he put the balloons down here and say, like, I'm my grandmother now. And oh, if you saw okay. him, you might sound familiar. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time, but Roger but Oh, my he, God. Uh, he, this guy, Bob Nelson, had colon cancer. He's doing okay, but he racked up some hospital bills that are crazy. So we're doing a 24-hour streaming event on Twitch for through the Drink Jokes and Storytelling channel to raise money for him. There's a lot of camaraderie, too. I mean, there's... There's you get some jealousy from people, some cattiness, but there's also a lot of camaraderie from a lot of in the majority of the comedy world where they, they're willing to help people. And that's one of the great things about what we do. Well, yeah. And that's why, you know, like I said earlier, you guys are like our therapists and especially with, you know, this on this changing and unpredicting and the chaos that's going on today it's we need you more than we, we, ever. we need laughter too absolutely yes you know and it's <clears throat> you know jason when i could sit and talk and like just we had that moment we're both laughing we're conversing we're actually helping each other and there's healing and having this kind of moment and experience and wow if you guys can get back on stage and have such that kind of healing effect 
for the audience that's out there. I hope you and all the others that have struggled with depression and whatnot, that this heals it and cures it for, for once and for all. Because when you get on that stage, you're, you're applying that healing touch, that magic of laughter for us. Kim, I wish I could give you a hug right now. That was great. <laughs> I am just, it's coming from the heart. And I wanted to say that to many comedians. And today you were the first to help me share that message. And I want to thank you so much. What an honor yeah. that was. Seriously. That's so cool. Thank you so much. I had a blast with you. Well, you were very it, honest. You were really. You're very honest. You got it together. You know what you want. Yes, I do. And it's just, I look forward to you coming to West Palm Beach so I can see you in per person and get that hug. <laughs> you got it. I'm vaccinated, by the way. So there you go. Fully vaxxed right here. And you're in Florida. That's rare. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. That was the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard a quote the other day from uh, I, I'm not going to tell you who, but I was I was trying to remember who who told me this quote. They said they were quoting somebody. They said um, if you're not vaxxed because you like if you're worried about getting the vaccine, you can still get you COVID. It can, but not to the extent that it would harm you so much as it normally would if you weren't vaccinated. Just like wearing a seatbelt will not prevent you from having a car accident. And then I realized who I heard that from because I thought that was a really good analogy, but that I heard that from O.J. Simpson. I, I thought, well, if anybody really cares about humanity, it's O.J. Simpson. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. When I saw he did a PSA about COVID vaccine, I thought, well, this world is gone. This is the beginning of the end right now. <laughs> but, but he's the I rational mean, one. If I can look at it in that perspective, we all have to wear a car seat. I mean, not car seats, but seat belts. <laughs> no, no. You stop wearing car seats when you're five or nine, when, however. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't mean we're not going to get into an accident. Right. So it, it's like I look at the, I take the vaccine first. I did my research. I didn't listen to what the news media and Dr. Fox and all them. I'm like, I'm smarter than that. I'm not just going to buy into what the news media says. Let me find out about these companies. I just skipped J&J &J because what I did sort of get wind of, I'm like, eh, I don't feel. I'm not oh, yeah, sure. I'm Pfizer. I'm all Pfizer. So I went and studied Moderna, which I only got 11 pages from Moderna. When I went to Pfizer, I got close to 100 pages of results and research and data and so that's much. all they worked on for the whole year before longer than that since they heard about COVID. all they worked on was that vaccine so of course they got it out as quick as they could well yeah and they did studies and testing and whatnot and here's the one thing that i i haven't heard on the media now i wanted dr Fauci on my show i wanted to get uh one of the scientists on pfizer on my show because i have questions i'm like okay Sure. Here's something that I find interesting is one between the COVID and the vaccine, you know, we all do not have the same blood type. 
does our blood type affect, you know, the way the COVID virus attacks our body, our blood type, and how it affects on the vaccine side as well? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. I have no fucking idea. But, <laughs> but these are the kind of questions that I want answered in the news media. These are great. These are great questions. They're very, very legit questions. But I do have to say that I got vaccinated. I had no side effects. I was tired for a day, but I've been feeling healthy ever since April, since I got the vax. And I have no problems. I mean, and I have I'm, problems, but nothing vax related. Well, the thing about it is with me, because I'm very sensitive to drugs. I've had bad, like allergic reactions to vaccines growing up. So I'm like, uh, I don't know about this. I don't know if it, as a kid, if I was allergic to mangoes, but now after having kids, I'm definitely allergic to mangoes to where well, that'll I'm do it. Getting pregnant makes you allergic to mangoes. Uh, that's common sense, <laughs> common knowledge right there. <laughs> it sounds like something out of Monty Python. Are you making that up? When you, no. when you had kids, you became allergic to mangoes? Well, look at it on a scientific base. Because when you're pregnant, your whole body chemistry changes. Oh, I get it. I get it. You know, and like, you know, my first pregnancy, before my first pregnancy, I couldn't stand the smell of fish. I could not. Nope, you couldn't get me to eat fish or shrimp or any of that. But as soon as I got pregnant... Man, I wanted some shrimp and I wanted some fish. Your body, our bodies do go through a biochemistry change, a hormonal change. And it takes a while for it to, it never goes back to normal, 100%. But then how many kids do you have? You know, three or four? It, it's constantly changing. So you don't go back to the beginning before you were pregnant of how your hormones and everything was it you totally evolved and changed my friend just found out she was pregnant i'm going to tell her eat all the mangoes you can because eventually it's not going to sit well with you anymore <laughs> that's the first thing they teach you when you when you have a baby just eat your mangoes now because eventually those kids are going to take all that mango fun from you and then it, it's it's you're funny, but I don't, I can't drink soda now after having my first kid. I I couldn't stand. And now I can't, can't stand drink soda. It's just, we do. We go through. Men go through a different kind of change. I don't. I I only do soda. I do ginger ale or well Sprite with um Tangeray or vodka. But um. Oh, that's never heard of that. Well, I do that if I I, I didn't have tonic. And I didn't have any lime, so I used Sprite, and it tasted perfect. It was ideal. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it worked. It worked. Or ginger ale for the upset stomach if you eat too much. But, yeah, I'm not really a soda drinker. I'm trying I got, I'm trying to work out of the dad bod, you know, um, and it's a struggle. Well, here's a suggestion. You know, what? when were you the happiest in you got to find a picture of yourself? Now I'm speaking to you as a coach, like a life transformational coach. Oh, okay. Find a picture of when you felt your best. I could do and that, that. 
And then I want you to get as many prints, as many copies, put it in your bathroom mirror, put it on your refrigerator door, put it in your car visor to remind you because you know why you're going to change the biochemistry in your body because every time you look at that, you remember how good you felt. So if you constantly see that picture when you felt your best and you really felt good and you were happy, you'll start changing the inside first because you see the visual. But the feeling you're creating that energy and reconnecting to that energy that's already inside you, then you are going to start to look and do different things to get back to that to where it's physical again does that make any sense interesting interesting uh almost almost want to say game to play i, I want to see if that works try it i think i'll have a go i challenge I, 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 I also kind of want to see my wife come home and say why are there pictures of you all over the house <laughs> say i'm working on myself to better myself Yes, exactly. And then ask her, say, hey, in this picture, you know, I felt amazing and really good in that picture. You know, what what did you see in this in this picture? If you find that picture and you show her, you know, what do you what do you see when you see this picture? And then that's going to give you another clue, another key, another inspiration to hold You're on. You're good. To. You're good, Kim. <laughs> I'm impressed. And it, you can call me, text me. I'll keep working with you, Jason. Well, thank you so much, Kim. It's an honor. You, you've been a delight and you've been so flattering and I, you rendered me speechless. What can I say? Oh, thank you. And I really appreciate you. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on. I I I would love to have you on again. Definitely. And, you know, and do vice you versa. Have... You're welcome to come on mine. All right. And I you would know, love to. real quick before I go, can I do a quick plug? Because Absolutely. I do I, I, I do a podcast called Hi, I'm Jason. And the reason we call it that is uh, it's me and my partner, my friend Justin. He's a singer, entertainer, and we do a podcast called Hi, I'm Jason, because when we first came up with the idea, I said, nobody knows me. Why would they care about my opinion? I have that low self-esteem. I thought, I can't start a podcast. I'm nobody. And a few comic friends said, call it Hi, I'm Jason. That way they know you. So it's right there in the title. Hi, I'm Jason. <laughs> and so, you know yeah. what? I have it in the description so everybody can see it and like know where uh, to go. So well, I thank you that. so much. And I love the picture you sent me. Very nice. Very handsome. Uh, you go on. I'll give, I'm going to give you an hour to stop. <laughs> That's just me being me. Oh, you're wonderful. I well, always see good in people. I could tell that. You uh, just have a way. I, you're good at what you do. I got to tell you, Kim. You're very good at what you do. And thank you again for having me on. I really appreciate you. Ah, I appreciate you too, Jason. And before we end this, do you have some shows coming up? Well, um, 
tomorrow night. We start the 24-hour live stream this evening, actually, through tomorrow night. And my segment is from 7 o'clock to 8.30 tomorrow. It'll be on twitch.tv slash drinks, jokes, and storytelling. And we're raising money to help a fellow comedian friend raise money for his cancer bills, which, which do add up. So that's, that's my big plug. And everyone can check it out in the description. All the information's there. So help out, you know, let's join together and help a fellow comedian in in a time of need i think when we all do that we all help each other and you know it's spreading the love and the compassion that we all need and thank you jason so much i appreciate you oh thank you for having me and i'll talk to you soon all right well there you go jason pollock it is just a delight and an honor and I'm very humbled by what he does and how he creates entertainment for us and others as well because to me they are my therapists to bring laughter and joy in whatever way and I don't care how they say it as long as they make me laugh Robin Williams did it and so many others and I wish I did have a a moment to say that and share that with them but I'm sharing it with Jason and I shared it with all of you thank you for what you do to make me laugh and others as well so you never know who I'm gonna get on my show so stay tuned with wake up with KC Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? I've been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. 